Well, thank you for being here this morning. It's been a it's been a good day. It's been a good morning. Uh, a lot of good things happening, um, and we're not going to be here too much longer because I'm sure a lot of you are uh, looking forward to take your moms out for lunch and and do different things with them, and and that is fair and that is right to do the right thing to do. So this morning we're going to get to our to our, uh, our our series, the series that we've been preaching on. And I heard you guys were blessed by Pastor Paul last week, as Pastor Paul shared the word with you guys, how to, uh, you know, how to deal with uh, some of the struggles and adversities in life. Um, we are here to help people find and follow Jesus. So if we can help you in any way, if you have any questions, uh, please uh, look uh, in the back. There is a welcome center. You can talk to one of our elders. If you need prayer, we want to make sure we want to encourage you to uh, also ask for prayer. We are more than glad to add you into our prayer list. And so just go to the Welcome Center after service. And also we have a gift there. If this is the first time you are here with us, we have a gift in the back that is especially uh, for you. And, and we want to share that uh, with you um, if you are here with, uh, with us for the first time. Um, one of the things I'm often often ask about, it's about coping with different troubles and adversities in life. How do you cope? I've been asked that question after 27 years in ministry. I've been asked the question, how do you cope with troubles of life? And one of the things that I usually tell people is that we all have them. We all have them. Uh, they come in waves. Sometimes, you know, we're having, we're, sometimes we're good, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we have a little bit of troubles. Sometimes we don't have a whole lot of troubles. And sometimes it's like one comes after the other and it seems like none of us escapes adversity. And, and as you know, I have shared with you uh, before, uh, uh, you know, in my own life. I had a lot of adversity since I was a little kid. A lot of adversity, a lot of years of troubles. Uh, but I know that the Lord has done His work of refining me by going through those trials and adversities. A, a lot of times, if we don't go through a lot of those things that we have been through, we wouldn't be who we are today. And I hope that when I say that, most of us have learned the lessons that we need to learn when we're going through different problems, different troubles, different adversities. Because adversities are supposed to be there to help us uh, mature and endure and grow up. And the question does come, how, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with troubles and adversities? How do you cope with that? How do you cope with those frightening disappointments? As, you know, as to their reality and as to the anticipation of what is inevitable ahead of us, a lot of times we just don't know. And, and so we are in this series of facing adversities in life. Um, I got a good, I got a lot of good feedback from some of you guys and some of you guys have expressed that it's been a blessing. Some of you guys have expressed that it was a blessing. Also, uh, Pastor Paul last week, what he shared with you guys, it was just what you guys needed at that moment. So I'm glad and I, I'm blessed to hear that from each one of you guys. Uh, so we, we, we began this series a couple of weeks ago, understanding adversities. 
A lot of times when we're going through problems, when we're going through different adversities, when we're going through different trials, problems in life, the, the, the main problem is we don't understand them. We don't understand why does it happen to us. And, and sometimes I ask the question, why not? You know, but for that, to understand that we respond our first week, we respond to three different questions to be able to understand adversity. Not, not the, the very basic question that we, uh, we, uh, we respond was, what is adversity? What is adversity? And it's very simple to understand what adversity is. We said last week, uh, and the, the first week of this series, that adversity is a transformational process that God allows in your life because God wants to do something in your life. God wants to get your attention. So the reason why God allows you to go through different troubles in life is God wants to change something in you. A lot of times we don't understand that at the moment we're going through, we don't enjoy it. At the moment we're going through a problem, we don't enjoy it, we don't understand it, and we don't grow because... We don't really know what adversity is. So it is a transformational process. It's not just a one-time deal. It is a process. God takes you step by step through the process. And the reason He does that in your life is because God is allowing this in your life for you to have a, a to, to, to grow, for you to know exactly where God wants you to be in life. A lot of times, if we don't go through adversity... A lot of times, we wouldn't even acknowledge God in our lives, unless we go through adversity. The second question we answered the first week is, where does adversity come from? And we said, adversity comes from three different places. Number one, a lot of times, adversity comes from, you know, from the world. Just people in the world, we live in a sinful world, and a lot of times there are a lot of selfish people who do selfish things without caring how it affects other people. And when they don't care how it affects other people, sometimes people will do bad things and all of a sudden it's going to affect other people that had nothing to do with that. Even in the Bible, we find different examples of people who did bad things, who did things that they were not supposed to, and their whole family paid the consequence for their sin. And a lot of times, that's why some of us go through adversity, because of what others do. Some of the times, God has a purpose through the adversity. God wants to teach you something. God wants to get your attention. God wants you to self-examine, your, for you to examine yourself. God wants to conquer your pride, and that's why He allows you. That's why sometimes adversities come from God with the purpose of you growing. And then we also said that the purpose, some of those purposes, is also to equip you so you can learn a lesson, so you can help others that are going through the same thing that you guys uh, will go through sometimes. So, and... One of the main reasons God allows adversity in our lives is to bring, us, to bring us to the feet of Jesus. A lot of times, if we don't have problems, we will not look for God. As a matter of fact, a lot of times, when we're having problems, is when we start praying, right? God, please help me with this, and, and I promise, and I promise, and I promise. And we begin promising to God the, the, the sun, the moon, and the stars, right? And we're going to do all these things for you, Lord, if you just help me with this situation. Because a lot of times we wouldn't, we wouldn't look for God unless we're down. 
So we understood what, what, where, and the purpose of adversity. And the fourth question we began answering, this fourth question, now it's not even a question, it's a declaration. How to respond to adversity? How, it's a statement. How do you respond to adversity? Um, you know, how to respond to adversity? We said you respond to adversity in two different ways. We respond to adversity, if we go to the next slide, uh, we'll be able to see it. It's, we have two different ways of responding to adversity. It's our natural way. As human beings, we have a natural way to respond to adversity. And we also have God's desire reaction during the adversities. So God has a, something He desires from us. When we go through adversity, there is a moment God says, this is the way I would like for you to respond to the adversity or through the problems you're going, you're, you're having in your life. But there is a natural way of reacting the way we usually react to adversity. And we went through number one during week, uh, second week, we went through number one. Today we are going to be on number two. But just to do a quick review, our natural reaction during adversity in week number two, we said our natural reaction is we doubt God. So we don't trust God right away. A lot of times we just don't. And that happened to the disciples as they were going through the storm. And Jesus was sleeping in the boat. And as Jesus was sleeping in the boat, the disciples, the first thing they, they, they asked Jesus when they were going through the adversity, when they were going through the problem, when they were going through the storm, they said, Teacher, don't you care we are going to drown? It's like, you know, they doubt Jesus. Jesus had told them, you know, get on the boat, I will take you to the other side. He didn't, tell, he didn't tell them how they were going to get there. He didn't tell them there's going to be storms as you go through. And he said, I will take you. So they should trust what Jesus was saying, but they didn't trust in Him. They doubted Him. And a lot of times, when we're going through troubles, we doubt God at that moment. We don't say it all out. We wouldn't dare to do that. A lot of times we just think about it or we act like if we don't really trust God. And they ask Jesus, don't you care? And a lot of times we said in week two that a lot of times we do the same thing. We think God might not, must not care for what I'm going through because the pain, I'm, only, I'm the only one who feels the pain. And that is not true. Even Jesus went through a lot of stuff. So he... Um, he understands exactly what we all go through because he went through it himself. But a lot of times we also respond with fear. You know, we also respond with fear. Who, you know, fear is the enemy, the, the, the worst enemy of faith. It's not unbelief. Faith, faith's worst enemy is fear, not unbelief. Mark chapter 4, in the same, uh, same scenario where Jesus was in the storm with the disciples, Jesus asked the disciples, why are you afraid? I mean, shouldn't you, sh- shouldn't you trust me by now? I've been healing people, I've been saving people, I've been helping people. You've seen the power I have. Shouldn't you trust me by now as you're going in the middle of the storm? You know, and a lot of times, a lot of times where we're going through problems... But we're still here. We're still alive. When we're going through different adversities, we doubt and we fear because we forget that God already took us through those adversities before or even worse before. And we just forget at that moment and we get, you know, we become fearful. And so he asked them, why are you afraid? 
Do you still have no faith? Do you have no faith? Is that your problem? He told them. Because they were fearing because of, for their, because of their lack of faith. So, one uh, other thing that we saw in that week, number two, is that, number three, is that we a lot of times feel like giving up. We feel like giving up. And that's nothing new. When you're going through adversity, the easiest thing is to give up. You know, I give up. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to have to deal with it. That's why a lot of people, they run away from, from jobs. They run away from family. They run away from marriages. They run away from their kids or kids run away from their parents. It's just, I don't want to deal with it. It's the easiest thing is to give up. And that's not what God wants. That's why the writer of Hebrews wrote to the Hebrews, wrote to the Israelites as they were going through the Jewish Christian audience, as they were going through a lot of difficult times, and he told them, don't give up. Don't give up. If you give up, it's like starting a, a marathon. And you start the marathon and you start like 100 miles per hour. I don't know if you've ever seen people do that. But, you know, it's a 26-mile thing. You know, don't rush it. Just make sure you stick with it. Just make sure you get your own pace and you endure that marathon. Now, you know, it's, it's easy to say when you're going through the middle of it, I got, I'm gonna give up. I can do this no more. And then your mind, you know, your, your own thoughts are, you know, defeating you to give up. Um, and one, one more thing that, you know, our natural response to adversity it's, we become very negative, just like the people of Israel. People of Israel were so negative when they were in the desert. As a matter of fact, as, as, as before, right before God opened the Red Sea, uh, you know, they were telling Moses, you know, hey Moses, we could have died over there. Why did you bring us to die in the desert? We could have just died over there. Why did, you, why did you have to bring us out here? You know, God just brought us out here to kill us, basically. And God had told Moses, I have a plan. My plan is I want to glorify myself. I'm going to, I'm going to, God knew exactly what he was going to do. But through the adversity, they didn't trust God. They became very negative. God had a plan for them. And I said, uh, in that week, we, uh, we also meditate on this, that the difference between a person of faith and a person of fear is that the person of faith can cross the Red Sea and to the promised land today. But the person of fear will wander in the wilderness the way the Israelites did for 40 years and never see God's best in their life. Negativity is a huge enemy to our souls, to your spirit in time of adversity. So you, uh, you know, our natural reaction, it's doubt God, be, you know, get fearful, give up, so you don't have to deal with it and be negative. So today, we are going to go over the number two. So that is the way we respond. That is our natural way of responding. So what is God's way? What is God's desire reaction that He wants for us? What is God's desire reaction to adversity? How does He, wants, how does he want me to react to adversity? Number one. Number one, God doesn't want you to be surprised. Don't be surprised of adversity. A lot of times we act like if, man, this is, this is out of the world. No, don't be surprised. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I assure you, you have not gone through a lot of stuff that other people have gone through in life. And I will show you that today. And, and I'm sure you, 
I mean, unless you, you lost 10 kids and, you, and 10, 10 of your children, sons and daughters die, then, then you tell me you might have gone worse than Job. But don't be surprised. <coughs> Adversity, according to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 14, through 14, Peter tells his audience, Dear friends, don't be surprised. Surprised of what? At the fiery trials you are going through. Notice that Peter doesn't tell them, don't be surprised at those little, at those little problems you're having. No, he says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials. These, these things are heavy stuff. You're going through heavy stuff. You're going through tough stuff. You're going through the fire. Don't be surprised even when you're going through the fire, he tells them. You are, uh, because as if something strange were happening to you. And you know, it's interesting that when Peter, Peter draws their attention to the audience he's writing to, to a recurring theme in this epistle that he wrote to the Christians. And he's talking about Christians' response to suffering. So Peter tells them basically, uh, you know, expect the trials. Don't be surprised. Expect it. Know, know that, don't be surprised. Know that it's going to happen soon or later. Problems will come to your life. Sooner or later, it will happen. I, I, I'm always, I'm always surprised. I mean, I, I'm always bothered with a lot of times when I hear preachers lying to people by telling them, if you become a Christian, everything, you're, you're, you're trouble free now. You know, if you become a Christian, you're not going to have any more problems. If you become a Christian, you should be rich. And then gospel prosperity happens, and, and all those lies that people tell you. But those lies are things that a lot of times people want to hear. They want to hear that if you come to God, you're going to become rich. You're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to have this, you're going to have that. That is not true. A lot of times when you become a Christian, you've got to be willing to pay the price. Jesus Himself said, you know, if you want to follow me, Luke chapter 9 verse 23, He says, if you want to follow me, you gotta be, you gotta be willing to deny yourself. In other words, deny yourself means you gotta be willing to say, I'm not gonna do what I want, but I'm gonna do what God wants. So I'm gonna deny myself to do what God wants me to do. He says, be willing to deny yourself, be willing to take up the cross. And a lot of us don't want to go through that trouble, don't we? A lot of people don't want to go through that trouble. You know, deny yourself, so I'm not going to do what I want to do. i got to do what He wants me to do. Yes. Do I have to take a cross? Why do I have to take a cross? It's uncomfortable. We, we, live, in a, we, live, in a, we live in a day that nobody wants uncomfortness, right? Everybody wants comfort, uh, comfort. Everybody wants to live a comfort life. And so it's easier to preach one of those messages. But when Peter was telling, when Peter was telling the, his, his readers, they were going through a lot of trouble. And the trouble they were going through, remember that in this time, Peter is writing. Peter is writing in the 60s. In the 60s, in year 62, 63, Peter is writing because Nero, who was the Roman emperor at that time, Nero had burned Rome and was blaming the Christians. They were responsible for burning the city. 
And as they, as they, as he made, as he made them responsible for burning the city, people were just going against Christians and killing Christians and persecuting Christians for that reason. Nero even told, uh, the people in, in Rome, the Roman citizens, he told them that Christians were cannibals. It's like, why are Christian cannibals, you might ask yourself. And it's because he would tell people, it's because they're, they're drinking and eating the blood and the, and the body of some guy named Jesus. Talking about communion, right? And he was blaming them and people were believing all this stuff, nonsense. So when Peter is telling them, don't be surprised when you go through these tough trials. But a lot of times I'm more surprised how a lot of times we go through Little problems. And, and, and we feel like the world is falling down, right? Remember the little chicken in that movie? That little leaf falls from the, from, 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 from the tree, right? And it falls on his head and the sky is falling. And that's the way we feel sometimes. A lot of times we, we, we're acting like if the sky is falling. And no. Don't be surprised. God doesn't want you to be surprised. God wants you to understand that trials, adversities, and problems are just part of life. It's understanding why these things are happening, what's more important. So uh, if you understand, if you understand not to be surprised, the second thing that God wants you to do is have the right attitude. You know, when we're having problems... Our worst enemy through our problems is our attitude. It's our attitude. You know, we, we take this negative attitude. And I mean, if we're going through a problem, a lot of times we fight with people who are not even part of our problem. And a lot of times we use some people in our family as punching bags. I don't know if that, I'm sure that has never happened to you, but it happened to me. It happened to the pastors. <laughs> Sometimes people just take you as a punching bag. You know, and a lot of times you have nothing to... And it's because they're going through problems and they have a bad attitude through the problem. And their bad attitude hurts other people. And their bad attitude hurts them too. And as you're going through different problems, Peter tells them in that same text, but in verse 13, he tells them, you know, he tells them, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. And in verse 13, he says, instead, don't be surprised. Instead of being surprised, be very glad. Be very glad of what? Be very glad of, for these trials... Make you partners with Christ in His suffering. That is pretty amazing. You know, don't be surprised. Instead, be glad. You know what? Be, excuse me, Pastor. Am I, am, am, are you reading this correct? Am I supposed to be glad for the problems I'm going through? Yes. Yes. And that's not the only verse. Peter tells them. The Apostle Paul also tells them. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 5, We can rejoice too when we run into, prob into problems and trials. We can rejoice. So in other words, have double joy. You know, be glad, Peter says. And now Paul says, have double joy. Rejoice when you run into trials and problems. In other words, have the right attitude. Because your attitude will set your altitude in life. 
a lot of times when you see people that are always bitter in life, it's like, you know, they're going through different problems, but they don't know how to handle those problems with the right attitude. And, and, and this is Peter, this is Paul, and now James also tells him, now James also echoes the words and says, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy when? Whenever you face trials of any kinds. Trials are all different. Trials are different and are different kinds. And you are supposed to consider it joy, consider it to rejoice, consider it to be glad when you're going through problems. Now, if a person doesn't understand why are they going through these problems, what is God's purpose? If you're not in God's hands at that moment, you will not understand why God is allowing you. To go through these problems. So, but when you understand that, you will be glad. You will rejoice. Because you know that as you're going through trials and different problems, they have a specific positive purpose in your life. God wants to do something in your life. Life is full of ups and downs. And sometimes circumstances outside of our control. Come and they try to knock you off your feet. And, and it can be hard sometimes to, to stay up. Uh, but looking out, looking out uh, at the world around us, it can be easy to get cynical. To get cynical. To have the, right, the, the wrong attitude. Uh, that, uh, you know, it's easy to get cynical that anything will change or that we have the power to make an impact. It's hard to fight, uh, you know, to fight the glass half empty mentality when life feels more dark than light. It's hard. But we learned from the scriptures that having a good attitude through hard times is what God wants us to, to have. Um, There's something positive that will come out of our adversities. Number three, how does God want me to react through adversity? Be positive. You know, there's enough negativity in the world. There's enough negativity. Be positive. And when I say be positive, um, in Romans chapter 5, in the same text that we read before, um, when it says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that, check that out, check what's in red there, for we know that they help us develop endurance. When you're going through problems, you're in training session. You're in training session. Man, I remember when I was in the army, I remember when they put us through tough training. I remember when they put us through the, the one of my first courses, uh, it, it was to uh, specialize in night operations in jungles. And I remember when they threw us in that jungle. And I remember that, you know, they give you, a, they give you something to carry water with and that's it. And a knife. And I remember all the adversities and everything that we went through. But, but there, was, uh, there was one thing that, uh, you know, we needed to sweat more in the training field. So there was less blood. There was less blood whenever we encounter the enemy. In other words, we will be trained to endure. And to get through the tough times. And a lot of times, if you don't go through these trials, you will not learn to endure. You want to, you know what, you know what, one of the reasons we're having a lot of trouble in the world today, you, you know how many people, you know what the percentage of suicides are in the world right now? We have the highest percentage ever. 
of people committing suicide. You want to know why? Because everybody wants it easy. Everybody wants to cut corners. So when you have a trial, take it as a gift from God. Take it as a gift from God. God wants you to get tougher. God wants you to endure. God wants you to learn a lot of stuff that you need to go through so that you don't fail later on. And that you learn so you can teach others the stuff that you have been through. To develop endurance, and endurance develops strengths of, strength of character. And character strengths our confidence, our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. In other words, you're going to get tougher. But you got to be positive. you got to remember, and you got to think, this is going to do something good in my life. Don't be negative through the trial. Be positive. This is going to do something good in your life. Remember Paul when he was in prison? When Paul was in prison, it was amazing. Everybody was like, you know what? Oh man, I'm, I'm sorry, Paul, you're in prison. He said, what do you mean? If, if they kill me, if I die, I die and I go with Jesus. And if they don't kill me, then they don't kill me and I stay with you, which I need to teach you a lot of more things still. But whether I live or die... Praise God, I belong to Jesus. And he says, don't worry. As a matter of fact, because I've been in prison, all these guards that have gone through different, you know, the, you know, they schedule the guards in different times. And every time a new guard came in, guess what? They listened to the gospel. And they just, you know what they did? They let Paul out. And this guy is converting everybody here. So let's, let, let's let him out. We can handle this guy in here. But Paul was positive, you know, and his positivity also robbed on other Christians. And they became, they became stronger. They, got, they took courage to be able to share the gospel with other people because they saw how positive Paul was through the problems that he was going through. So be positive. That, what, what's another thing God wants us to do? Have the right understanding. We already talked a little bit about that. Have the right understanding. Because a lot of times, we just don't have the right understanding of, advers- you know, of adversities. Why are we going through this? In Romans chapter 5, we can rejoice to, for, you know, when we're running through problems, for we know. For we know. And in James 1, 2, it also says, Consider pure joy whenever you face trial of any, trials of any kind. Because you know. And I want you to see that. For we know. And the verse in James chapter 1 verse 2. Where it says because you know. Is the word in Greek. The word ginosko. And the word ginosko. Means that you know exactly. You know. You know. You know. To the point. You know exactly why you are going through these problems. So rejoice. Be positive. Endure because you know. Once we know the, the, the advantage, the positive of trials, then we can be confident that we know God is using that in your family, in your marriage, with your kids, to make you guys stronger. To give you guys wisdom how to handle things. How to deal with it. Not, not for you to give up. And that, that, that is why, uh, you know, we, we can have the right attitude because we understand. So, because you know, 
We understand. Knowing is essential because once you understand the reason, the purpose, then you can move forward towards that target in life. Then you will have the right attitude. Understand what God is doing. He's making you stronger. He's producing endurance. He's making you more formidable. Strengthening your faith. And you become useful and not useless. It is part of your spiritual development to go through trials. Next is, you got to have faith over fear. you got to choose faith over fear. And, and let me tell you, choose, choosing faith over fear is a choice. It's a choice. You choose whether you're going to fear or you're going to have faith. You know, and it's, you're responsible for your own life. And I don't know if anyone here today has ever been scared. I don't know if you've ever been paralyzed by fear. Unable to take another step when facing an adversity. I don't know if you've ever been scared. I have. Man, I, I, I can tell you story after story when I've been scared. Especially when facing adversity and you don't know what's coming next. Fear is something the Bible has an awful lot to say about. In fact, in John chapter 16, verse 33, this is what Jesus told the disciples. He knew they were going to be afraid. And He says, I have told you all this so that you might have peace in Me. If you are in Christ, you, have, you can have peace in Christ. What the Greek sentence there, the, the meaning, the main meaning is, when, when you have peace, you're going to have peace in me, you will fear not. You will not fear. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. So don't be afraid. Fear not. I have overcome the world. The, the command here, fear not, appears in one more, uh, in one form or another. 365 times. I'll say it again. The command here, it, this is, fear not, it's a command. And that command appears in one form or another 365 times from Genesis to Revelation. It is, a spe- it is a specifically given to a dozen of different individuals and groups in the Bible, different circumstances, and it is abundantly clear that God doesn't want His people to fear the face in face of adversity. Why did God allow that in one form or another, it says, fear not, 365 times? To put it in another way, you've been given a different fear not exhortation for every single day of the year. Every single day, you have a fear not in the Bible when you're going through different adversities. So why are we afraid? In this world, he says, you will have many trials and sorrows. The reason we're afraid is because we don't understand adversity. Because you have, he has overcome the world. The, the, one last thing, so we can be done today, is Joe, I mean, it's uh, God wants us to worship. A lot of times when you're going through problems, I heard people say, you know what, I became a Christian. 
And now I have a lot of problems. It's like, okay. So you become a Christian and you're having problems now? Could it be that you didn't see it that way before? Could it be that you were blind before? Could it be that you didn't care before? Most likely. Most likely that's the case. But when we're going through problems, it's not time to run away from God. A lot of times God allows problems in your life so you can run to God during those difficult times. Uh, Let me just give you one quick, uh, before we finish, one quick example of this. The believers respond in Job, the book of Job, if, if, if you have your Bible, you can, do, you can go there. It's so easy. And you go to Psalms, everybody knows where Psalm is because you just open your Bible. It's almost right there in the middle, right? It's so easy to find Psalms. So if you want to uh, look where Job is and read the whole, uh, the whole account of Job, then you can just go one book before Psalm and it's right there. Uh, but in this book, in chapter 1, you often hear... Stories about rags to riches stories from time to time, right? From rags to riches. Uh, uh, but uh, maybe someone has experienced that. Maybe you know somebody who has experienced that. But in the account of Job, his life goes through from riches to rags and from rags to riches. It's interesting what happened to Job. In the account of a man who lost everything, and I do mean everything. This is the last example of adversity we're going to see today. So in Job chapter 1, I want you to see this. Because in Job chapter 1 verse 1, it says that he was a man of God. A lot of times we wonder, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, God has a purpose for that. And if they are good God's pe- God people, then this is what happened to Job. Uh, there was once a man named Job... Who live in the land of us. Us. He was blameless. A man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He feared God and stayed away. I mean, this was an amazing guy. Rarely you meet people like this in the world. So Job was a man of great conduct, perfect integrity. And he says that he was blameless, upright. He was man of reverence. He feared God. He, he made great decisions because he stayed away from evil. And he turned away from evil. And even though uh, Job was all these things, bad things still happened to Job. He went through adversity. Worse than you and I probably have ever gone. So in the first chapter, Job is telling the, you know, about the trials of this good man. Job was a good man and all this happened to him. Job suffered great losses. Job, uh, Job's life came crashing down around him and he was helpless uh, to stop the problems that he was experiencing. He couldn't stop them. Look at all these things. In chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, it says that it begins the account of the unraveling uh, Job's life when he, um, when he hears a report that the Sibians had stolen all Job's oxen and donkeys. So they took all his oxen, all his donkeys, and he, they killed all his servants too. And, and, and you know, if you've if you ever gone through these situations when you hear one bad news, and you haven't even finished hearing that bad news, when all of a sudden you hear another bad news about you, and you haven't finished hearing that one, and you hear another bad news about you, and you're like, man... When it, rain, when it rains, it pours and, 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 you know, storms and thunders and everything. 
You know, it just feels that way sometimes. And they had killed all his servants that were tending to, uh, to the oxen and the donkeys. And, and while he was receiving this bad news, another servant came, uh, comes and, and gives a report that a fire had struck all his sheep. And, and the servants that were watching, uh, you know, the, the flock there, uh, and they were all gone. Now he's losing all this stuff. And while he was receiving the bad, this bad news, in uh, chapter 1, after verse 13, it also says that another servant came in and reported that the Chaldeans had, uh, you know, had come in and stolen all the camels and killed all the servants too. So he's losing all his property. He's losing all this stuff. Can you imagine if you get to work tomorrow and you hear, Oh buddy, here's a letter. You're done. And you have no severance package, not nothing. There's no severance package for you. You're done. And you have a mortgage waiting for you, 30-year mortgage. You have four kids at home. Oh, let's say like Job, you have 10 kids at home. I hope you don't. Right? <laughs> you know, Job had 10 kids. And he's losing all his stuff. And not just that. Job, Job was a, a wealthy man, prominent in the area he lived in. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the Bible says that he was the greatest man among all the people on the, in the East at that time. But Job was a man of integrity, a hardworking man. He had lost everything and maybe he was thinking, at least I have my family. Guess what? After he probably thought, at least I have my family, then there was a four report. A four guy comes in and says, you know, a servant came to Job and reported in verse 18. He says that there had been a building collapse and all his ten children had died. Can you even imagine losing a child? A child? I can. I have one. And my son, if I always think, Lord, you, you, you got to give me the strength if, if anything like that ever happens to my son. You know, as, a, as, as parents, I don't know if that happens to you, but I remember I, I, every time, every time my son goes out, and he is one o'clock and he's not home, guess what? Guess who's awake? I'm awake. And it's two o'clock and he's not home, I'm awake. And sometimes it's three o'clock and all of a sudden he's coming in, Dad, how come you're not sleeping? I can sleep if you're out, buddy. So can you imagine losing your kids? Ten of them. So I can just, I can put, just put my, myself in Job's position. And it was, it was terrible. Now he, the ten children were gone. And in chapter 2, the Bible tells us that Job didn't even, re, you know, he didn't even nag or anything. But God allowed all this stuff. He allowed all this stuff to happen. And what's interesting is, let's go to the let's go to the next slide, next verse. That this is the way Job responded. He stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head, which was a, a way of humbling himself. Then he fell to the ground and worshipped. I lost everything. I lost my kids. I lost everything. But I'm going to worship. Isn't that amazing? That, uh, to me, that, that, that just leaves me like, why do I complain about my problems? I mean, this guy went through 
This guy went through everything you can imagine. And then he declares, Naked I came, I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What, a, what an amazing attitude through the problems he was going through. And I mean, if I keep on telling you, we wouldn't finish soon. But then in chapter 2, he gets all these uh, burning boils in his... And you know, he grabs, a, 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 he gets a piece of pottery so he can scratch himself. And he gets all this stuff all, he, all over his body from top to bottom. And his wife says, you know what? Curse God and die. That's what his wife... The only thing left was his wife. Be careful, wives. Just kidding. Just kidding. But she, she comes and tells him, you know what? Just die. And he told her, you know, everything God does, does it for a purpose. He understood adversities. If you ask yourself, why did he react that way? Go back to chapter 1, verse 1. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 1, guess what? He was a man of God. He was a man who had a strong relationship with God. He was a man of integrity. He was a good man of God. That's what, that's why Job, Job was able to do and react the way he responded to adversity. So, how do you respond to adversity? Do you respond your natural way with fear, doubt, negative? Or do you respond to adversity the way God wants you to respond to adversity? The only way you're going to respond God's way to adversity is when you have a strong relationship with God. And you might say, you know what, but how do you do that? Well, you've got to get plugged in. Get plugged into a Bible study. Learn God's Word. Learn how to pray and communicate with God. Strengthen that relationship with God. You know, communicating with somebody will strengthen your relationship with that person. Have a relationship with God. Enjoy those moments where, where you let God talk to you through the Scriptures. But only when you become strong in God, you can endure these type of things, these type of problems. Only when you have that strong relationship with God is that you can come up, you can come up and say, you know what, I'm going to conquer this problem. I'm going to kill this giant. I'm not going to allow this giant to, to, to step all over my life. Because a lot of times we're fighting with a lot of giants against us. And the worst giants are the ones in you. Are those things that are killing you in the Because we get killed from the inside out. That's where it gets worse. And that's what God wants to strain your soul, your spirit. So you respond the proper way through the troubles that we're going through in life. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, how, how can you respond to life trials? He said, I have conquered the world. So if you have a heavy burden, bring it to me. But a lot of times we want to do this on our own. And all we find 
we find ourselves a lot of times digging a bigger hole for ourselves. And that's why we lose so much more than what we gain. Because a lot of times we just don't understand that God a lot of times allows problems. I mean, are you going through a problem right now? You don't have to tell me that. But if you're going through any issue right now, through any hard situation, any tough adversity, maybe God wants you to turn to Him. If you're not a believer, I'm sure God wants something to do with you. I'm sure God wants a relationship with you. And if you're a believer, maybe there's something, maybe there's something in you that God wants to change or that God wants to get your attention about. But the only way you're going to respond the right way is when you have a strong relationship with God. Our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord, because it's in your hands that we get to understand, that we can get to understand why we're going through adversities. And only, only when we have the strong, a strong relationship with you is that we can overcome all these things that come to our lives to destroy us a lot of times. Because our response through these, to these adversities has a lot to do, Lord, with what we got in our hearts. And so we are here to ask you to help us. We ask you to help us, Lord. And if you have never given your life to Christ, I will encourage you, give your life to Christ and let Him be the one who guide your life through the storm. Maybe you're going through different storms in your life and you don't see the way out. But he will, he will show you the way if you trust. Jesus, we thank you so much for allowing us to teach and to understand these adversities. In your name we pray. Amen.